I mean, if you want to see change, get into the early church. Um, it was it was never ending, and some of the re- sometimes one of the ways we can grow is to begin to ask the Lord how to um, do something different. And so as we, we this feels very loud. Is it very loud? It's a bit loud. Uh, the you know the essence of the Christian life is is really quite simple, and the whole way God wants us to walk is really simple. We get really complicated and most of the complication is in our battle to submit. And we call it all kinds of things but at the end of the day uh, the core issue in life is who am I listening to? Who am I following? And how am I living? And so Jesus, you know, we are created to have a relationship with a loving Father. We are created to live not as orphans. We are created to live as sons and daughters of a God we cannot see, but we do manifest His love through our relationships. God so loved the world that He created this world. He placed us in us. And the thing that we can't stand, to be honest, is that we have some responsibility. The thing that we struggle the most with is that we have, He calls us co-laborers. He calls us sons and daughters and if you're in a functional family that means you share responsibility for your journey. And our sort of way of living so often is passive. It's God, you do this, you do this. Change me, Lord. And he says, I'm trying to. But I can't change you while you're sleeping. And I can't change you while you just keep on asking me to change you. I will change you as you live life and you walk through life with yourself and with other people. And then we come to him and say, Lord, but I don't like these other people. And he says, but that's how I'm going to change you. I don't go to church because the people irritate me. Well, I'm a living testimony of being in church and so are some of you. And church is one of the most destructive, damaging places on earth. And it's also the life of God and the Spirit of God and the community of God. And the way that he actually begins to transform us is when he says, I want you to be committed to my body, to the people around you. The people that I see most struggle are those who live spiritually but do not live relationally. And what I mean by that is, A lot of phrases are spoken, but very little substance is lived out in terms of the ability to persevere, the ability to get on with people, the ability to forgive, the ability to serve. Which is why God sent the Holy Spirit. He said, you can't do this. I mean, have you you clued into this yet? You can't follow Jesus and live as Jesus would have you live just by knowing the Bible. I always stir you with this one. Because the Bible is like a menu. It's not the meal. And too often we're giving each other the menu and it doesn't bring life. Cook a little bit of love and pass it on to me and I might taste and see that God is good. Cook a bit of forgiveness. Get the ingredients, put it in your life and show some forgiveness and I might taste and see and is God like this? This is unusual. Why are you behaving like this to me? It's because of Jesus. Oh, now I'm going to listen. 
But knowing about God and knowing about Jesus and knowing about the Bible doesn't make you a light to the world. So God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to give us this, give us a, a, an example of what it looks like for a human being to be filled with God's Spirit, living one with the Father, Father, Son. Jesus went to the cross to take away the reason why we don't live father to son or daughter because we have broken relationship. The only thing we can do is talk about, but we don't know the power of presence because it's, it's broken. So when, when Jesus went to the cross and he rose from the dead, that incredibly mind-blowing event and that's what makes me so sad. I, I shouldn't say this, but it is sad because whenever we have these things like royal weddings, Jesus doesn't get proclaimed in his, his power. And I understand stuff. He will use it anyway. But his name is seldom used. But you can't have love without Jesus. You actually can't have love by a quote from Martin Luther King. You can't have a world that sustains with power without Jesus. Love without Jesus is sentimental. Love without Jesus is a sweet song. Love without Jesus is romantic, but it's not powerful. Because the love that Jesus comes to, to share with us is a love that says, you might be getting married today, but five weeks down the road you might have to actually love when you don't feel like it. Or I just get divorced and I'll find somebody else I can love for three weeks. Or I'll go to another church because I get, went in there and it was so loving and then I got to know them and I got offended and I left because I didn't like what they said. And you, go, and you call yourself a Christian? You're just a fruit picker, man. You just walk around picking what you want and judging everything else and then you say, God lives in me. I says, no, he doesn't. I sound like an African preacher. No, he don't. Why? Because... What you do is easy. Anybody can do what you're doing. You're just selfish. You go for this and this and this because it's all serving you. The great example in this church over the next six months is how are you going to serve this body? How are you going to actually say, we're going to go forward with greater power and the person who's going to come here, we're going to say, why didn't John leave earlier? Because this is so cool. That's my prayer. Seriously. And seriously. But you have an opportunity to go to the leaders weekend and actually say, I want to contribute something. Rather than sit and say, this is wrong and this is wrong and you offended me and you do this, you don't need the Spirit of God to do that. You really don't. It's the laziest, easiest, slimiest thing you can do is actually accuse one another to make up for what's lacking in you. Because what's lacking in you and me is grace and forgiveness and humility, long-suffering, perseverance, qualities of God's Spirit. Jesus didn't send and didn't release the Holy Spirit just so that you could have an experience. And we live in a culture, babies crying. I was thinking about this driving in today. When are you, probably, were you at your most uninhibited, vulnerable and noisy when you were born? And you came out of your mother and they smacked you or you cried and it was messy. And why are they concerned when you're born? Because you're sucking in air and if you don't get air, you die. How many of you are breathing? The fruit of breathing is living. You don't come before the Lord and say, Lord, I need a fresh breath. Or well, you do, but you kind of, you know what I mean. 
there's a part of going, don't seek after Pentecost every day. Seek after what Pentecost releases. Seek after what breath releases, which is life. The fruit of the breath in you is the life that you live. And so God, I believe, has released so much upon us and he says, you have it. You have it. But you're fixating on your breathing. We are fixa- you know, we fixate on the wrong things. Oh, you're breathing heavier than me. You must be more anointed. Oh, give me a break. How can you be more anointed when all God has is given to you? So Jesus said to the disciples in John 16, he says, Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he will convict you of sin and repentance. Well, that sucks. Why does he say that, and why is it so important? This is the co-laboring part. What does the Holy Spirit do? He fills you. What's the secret of filling? There's got to be something to fill. There are lots of people who are anointed by the Holy Spirit and they walk around wet. Why? Because nothing goes inside. Because there's no space for the Holy Spirit to fill inside, so they just have an experience. And then they go for another experience. It's like going from shower to shower to shower. You see, the first thing the Holy Spirit begins to do is awaken you and me to the fact that he's wanting to be poured out and then he says, give me something to fill. Here's a video that illustrates this. You've seen it before, but I thought it was worth repeating. So that's like the principle, which is like breathing. You breathe in, you breathe out, you hold your breath until you need breath again. And the, the, the journey with the Holy Spirit is a lot like that. It's not complicated. It's really not complicated. One of the things the Holy Spirit will do, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. Until you follow Jesus, then all your troubles will be taken away. No, follow Jesus and you have more trouble. But I have overcome the world. Take heart. I've overcome the world. So how does that work? He says, well, what troubles you in this world, what you're filling yourself up for for meaning, begins to become meaningless when you come next to me. When I was a little boy, I used to think I had a, there was a mountain right outside our house. I mean, you could look at this massive mountain. And I used to think, if you know, <laughs> I remember sitting on the steps going, if you climb the mountain, when you get to the top, you'll have to crawl because you'll hit your head on the sky you learn and grow into revelation that things aren't all as they seem or what you thought was is not. But how does wind flow? Wind flows from high density to low density. So when you empty something, it has to be filled. So one of the things the Holy Spirit begins to do with us, as soon as you come to God and and he's already promised, if you ask, I will give it to you. And I would guarantee all of us are asking God for stuff and he says, waiting for you. It's like uh, we've got FedEx on your doorstep. And you go, well, why aren't I seeing it then? Because you have some work to do. What do you mean I've got some work to do? Well, my spirit is trying to tell you to let go of some things. And you're continuing to insist that 
you won't let go of them. So I have nowhere to go with you. And you're going to get frustrated and blame me for something that's actually your responsibility. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that as you know me as Father, as you learn to trust me as a God who has your best interests at heart, and I've had to learn this. I mean, you know, I st- when I was coming back into ministry, there were two years where God had said, you work on your house in Parksville and I'll work on you. And it wasn't all fun. But he proved himself faithful. And when we came here and we spent two, nearly three years, I was working out of coffee shops. And we had already walked away from this building because there was division against again in the body. And eventually we were you know, asked to come back and we reconciled and we came back into this building and it was totally empty and God just said, take this building like you would take the promised land. Trust me and take it one step at a time. Well, I'd been through that personally in my own house and my own life, so this one wasn't so difficult. And God proved completely faithful. One step at a time, one room at a time, one group at a time, until this whole place is totally full. It's all renovated, it's all been made new together we'd had that journey so the question you go is so why would God be faithful in all of that and then leave me high and dry personally in October or you high and dry it's not going to happen but it is going to happen if I say God it's not fair I expected this and this is where it is it's not fair that this didn't happen my marriage wasn't working if I go down that route I'm dead I have to surrender to God the things I don't understand. The things that I don't really like, but I can't do much about it. That's not abdicating, it's just accepting. And I, so therefore I go, Lord, I want to walk forward and take hold of all you have with joy and with anticipation. And I know how God works. He usually waits till the last minute, so you're pressing the panic button. And well, that's too bad. That's the way it'll be, whatever. I don't know. So there's an element of, I want to encourage you to stir yourself up with faith. But we are called to participate. We are called to participate. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do and wants to do is He will show you where there are things that He wants you to let go of. It's called repent. Repent means change your mind, change your behavior, change your attitude. And I say, I'm not going to repent until they repent. I'm not going to change because they made me do this. And God will just say to you, they're my favorites. The person you're complaining to me about, I actually adore. And what it's doing is it's actually causing poison in you. And Satan is having a heyday in you and you're blaming somebody else for your issue. So stop it. But I don't want to stop it because it feels good being a victim and blaming somebody else and I'm not so responsible. And he says, I know. And I'm trying to teach you the answer to the prayer you prayed that you want to be a warrior. At this point, it's so easy for to take you out of the battle because you're so quickly offended and you're so full of gossip or you're so full of pointing the finger that I can't use you. You're an irritation. Well, God, that's insulting. Well, go and tell the surgeon not to operate on you. What happens when you have electrical faults? You call the electrician. What does the electrician do? You don't call the electrician and he says, okay, there's a breaker missing and that's why these lights up here keep going out. And he goes away again. And you say, well, we'll pray about it. And the breaker keeps breaking down. 
He said, well, the electrician came and he told you what the problem was. Knowing something isn't enough. Doing something is what provides the change. You need a new breaker in the system. Some of us are stuck because we insist on not changing. We keep inviting God in. He, he comes in and our pride keeps him at the door and he tries to say, your attitude needs to change. And we give him a litany of reasons why it's not our fault. And then he says, well then, it, you're going to have to live with that until it becomes something that you can actually let go of. And it will be like cancer. It will not only impact you, it's going to impact those around you. And I'm not letting you off the hook. And believe me, I have testimonies about this process that lasted for seven or eight years. And God does not blink and he does not change. Truth is truth is truth is truth. And if we want to see the power of God at work, the most important person to have the, release that power in is me and you. And Pentecost is about a God who says, I want to pour out my spirit on all flesh, but I need room, I need containers that are open and empty. Well, he did it once 14 years ago. And he said, did you have a shower 14 years ago and never again? Did you call an electrician 14 years ago and you never had a problem again? The process of living causes things to break down. The process of living causes things to get dirty. The process of living... I went into my washroom this morning. I have a downstairs one. And there was this faint smell of something. Oh, something's dead here. And I have a cat that tends to catch things. So... But I couldn't see anything. And then I looked in the sort of uh, ba- the, the waste ba- basket. There's this little mouse that's kind of obviously got caught in there. Now it's dead, as dead as a donut. Um, but anyway, sometimes God walks into your life and he says, something's smelling. And you go, well, I got used to it. I don't smell it anymore. Or I light an incense candle and pretend it's not there. And he says, well, I can smell it and it's got to go. I wondered why people didn't hang around me. Something is rotten in the state of John. I really want to push this hard today. And I really wasn't meaning to push it hard, but I feel I need to push it hard, which is just, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to let him come in. And he doesn't come into nothing, and he doesn't come in through a worship song, and he doesn't come in through sentimental nonsense. He comes in through a life laid down. He comes in through the cross. And we need that process every day for the rest of our lives. You see, it's not a once and for all thing. We tend to accumulate junk pretty quickly. Have you ever done that? You've cleaned your house, you've cleaned a room, and you go, never again, and a year later you go, how did we get all this stuff? It's the same in life. You see, the thing is we've got to stop being depressed about the process and just humble. It's like electricity. I mean, you can use electricity every day, all day, but if something breaks down, you don't have it. Same is true with the Holy Spirit. You quench the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? One of the first things the Holy Spirit does is he makes you aware of things that you need help in. And he says, repent, which means, Lord, I don't know how to do this anymore. He says, I'm so glad, because now I can actually help you. And repentance is just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, Forgive me where I've taken hold of this or where my attitude has gone wrong. You see, the way of the Spirit, it's interesting, the way of the Spirit is all through words. 
When God was at the beginning of Genesis, he said, let there be light in his light. Everything about God is through words. So the way the supernatural works in our lives is through words. Repentance is through words. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. It's not through physical experience. It's not through emotion. It's through a cold-blooded definition, decision. It's words. So the Holy Spirit brings to light things in us that maybe are causing separation. And he says, this is, this is getting in the way. And you go, but I like this. Okay. So what should we do about it? Because he's not angry with us. So he walks alongside us. He put his arms around us. He says, well, why do you like it? Makes me feel good. Comforts me. Whatever it is. But it's also killing you because it's actually causing you to distance yourself from some other people. Well, I'm scared of them. Why don't you let me... I can help you begin to become less attracted to whatever it is we're talking about. And, and, and that's where God starts. You see, we think God comes and exposes our sin or exposes what's not right and then he kind of says, now deal with it. He doesn't do that. He says, let me help you. And so in the Bible you have that person who says, Lord, help my unbelief. We have way too many Christians advising each other on stuff that you can't do yourself. Oh, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. All you need to do is draw close to Jesus, stay close in the community and see what happens. Some of us just need to serve. Stop worrying about how holy you are and just help stack chairs. Stop worrying about how God is going to do and just give him a little bit of time. And so God will begin by the Holy Spirit to show you areas where he's wanting to touch you and you want to be supernatural and he's saying, I just want you to clean the kitchen. And in cleaning the kitchen, suddenly you find something happens in you. The principles are the same on earth as in heaven in some ways, the way he works. But words are very powerful. The words of Lord forgive me have power. Because as you say, Lord forgive me, it's like he just starts cleansing you. And you might not feel anything right now, but you do that and you'll see things change. Something will change because something's changed. There's mystery in this. Some of us have been so exposed to hyped ministry that if, unless there's a passion and, and, and shouting and screaming and Pentecost five times a day, it's not working. It works. In season and out of season. Where Jesus is Lord. Through whispers, through sighs, through shouts. Every which way. doesn't matter. So Pentecost earth of this God who poured out his spirit. What do you think the, the disciples were emptied of before they were filled with the spirit? They'd been through hell. They had followed this Jesus. I've said this so many times from up here. They'd followed this Jesus while he was present and then he was gone and he went through a cross where the Romans won and they were just going, here we go again. It's the same old story. Every time we risk, we get screwed. Some of us feel that way. And Jesus rises from the dead and says, well, I've got news for you. This time it's not the same. I went through this so that you don't have to go through this. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I know that. But revelation will come. And so Jesus rises from the dead to bring to life his people from the inside out. So what did they have to become empty of? 
I guess they lost the plot. They said, we thought we knew what was happening and we don't have a clue what's happening anymore. I guess their understanding had to be released. I guess they thought, we were bold, we're going to follow Jesus, as Peter said, and we suddenly found we were terrified. We didn't have the strength within us to do the very simplest thing, which was stay by his side. And so they had to let go of self-confidence. They had to, get lo- they had to let go of, I'm trusting in myself. I'm trusting in my intellect. I'm trusting in my getting the plot so that I understand what's going on. I don't have a clue. They had to let go of an agenda which was Jesus appears to them on the, on, on the, the resurrection morning and they go, we know that Jesus is risen and that becomes clearer and clearer as he appears to over 500 people over six weeks. And Jesus says, just because you know that I've risen doesn't empower you to live. Just because you know the information doesn't give you power to be transformed. All of this is that power will be released so that you can become my hands and my feet in the world. That you will become little Christians. They called the Christians in Antioch for the first time. The Christians didn't sit around saying, what should we call ourselves? In Antioch, people said they were like little Christs. Other people gave them the name. Too often, we're giving ourselves names that we can't back up. Let other people tell how loving you are. Let other people tell how anointed you are. Let other people tell how much Jesus lives in you. And how do they tell? Not because you're wet. There's an old phrase that says, the shinier the object, watch it, the shinier the object, the, the higher the gloss, the cheaper the product. Jesus didn't come to make you look shiny on the outside. He came to transform us on the inside. And when there's transformation on the inside, our countenance changes, our attitude changes, our behavior changes, the way we relate changes. That is it. So this is all incredibly bad news if you want to hold on to your life. It's incredibly good news if you go, you know what, I get so tired of trying to be this person and God says, let me be it for you. How do I do that? Just let me work in you step by step, day by day. How do I do that? Begin to develop a sensitive conscience. Begin to develop a listening ear. Keep short accounts. Take hold of your attitudes. Bring your attitudes to me. Take responsibility for you and how you turn up and see what happens. You will be transformed. You will be transformed. Speak less and serve more. Lay down your life more. Love each other. Couldn't care whether you like them. It's irrelevant. Love each other. Look for things to do that would be blessings and love. Stop justifying your bad attitudes because that's just cancer in you. It doesn't mean what you're you're seeing and what you're discerning in somebody else is necessarily wrong. It's just he didn't call you to be the surgeon. It doesn't mean that what you see around you is, ro- is right. It just means, well, if this is going to change, I need some healthy cells. So I need somebody to bring light into this darkness. So be the light, be the truth, be the way. I'm going to close in a minute. I just want to remind you, you know, because t- what I'm going to do is spend the next five weeks maybe, talking about the Holy Spirit, different aspects. Just see, you know, I say that now and I'm not quite sure what will come up or how it comes up. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is to us 
what Jesus was to those first disciples. In other words, Jesus can't appear to us in human form, so the only person we can actually interface with here is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will bring attention to Jesus, and Jesus will bring attention to the Father, and the Father will bring attention to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will bring attention... They basically just continue to play around, in a sense because they all have a purpose and a plan and a, and, a, and a role to play. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes these things real for us. And so God said, Jesus didn't come just to be a good example. He came so that the Holy Spirit will be released rather like electricity. You will have power to be my witnesses. So where do you need power? Because he said, all I have is yours, so what do you want? But with the what do you want, what do you have to let go of? And the, the, the issue with the Holy Spirit is that there's only one God. So all the time he's saying, I thought you called me God. So why are you playing God in this area? Why will you not? I, I thought you said, Lord, you have everything. Well, I'm asking for this. Oh, but I'm just revealing your heart to you. I'm not angry with you. I'm just showing you. Well, Lord, I don't know how to deal with that. Okay. Invite me to touch that part. So give him permission. Because you go, oh, I've got to make this up and I've got to become this myself. He says, I never ask you to do anything other than to walk with me and I will bring about the transformation. So you begin. If you want to be see supernatural, if you want to see powerful things happen in your life, get really, really practical. Stop fudging it. Stop pretending. Just tell him, Lord, you know, I love this that I know I shouldn't be doing. I ask you to help me to not love it so much. And watch what happens. He said, I'll help you. I'm not angry. I love you. I, this is hooked into you because it's fulfilling a need that I actually can fulfill, but you don't know that yet, so I'm going to teach you how. God is always good. He's always kind, but he's very, very practical. And that's why Jesus said, you, how can you say you love God if you don't love each other? Everything has to be worked out. Everything on hev- in heaven has to be worked out on earth as in heaven. It has to be expressed. And people, it's what we talk about today, which is people are longing for authenticity. They want to hear our testimonies when life is still a mystery, not just when everything's going right. How do you live with joy when you don't know where you're going? How do you live with the fullness of the Spirit when the circumstances of your life are pretty shaky? That's where the victory is. That's where the power is. That's where the hope is. And the people who saw, they saw the event of Pentecost and they ended up saying, what does this mean? It's a good question. And we'll explore this in the weeks to come. So today, God says, I give you my Spirit. I give you my power, I give you my presence to help you become what no human being can become without me in them. But I also ask you to help me help you by learning how to yield day by day. Let's stand, let's talk to him. He says to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And when the people were, uh, you know, when, when they were 
the disciples in Acts 1, they were trying to replace Judas, who, was the, who had obviously betrayed Jesus, so there were no longer 12 disciples, there were 11. I still believe that actually they were wrong, that they shouldn't have chosen Judas, that Judas was the one they did because that's how things had worked before. I believe God actually wanted to release Paul as the, the, the 12. It doesn't matter because he's gracious. So, uh, but when, when, when they were, when they were uh, looking for somebody to follow on Judas, they said they wanted somebody who had spent their life, uh, they had, had been with Jesus. By the time they were in Act 6 and they were uh, finding somebody to, to, they wanted seven men to, to, uh, to wait at the tables and look after widows and brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. They changed. Because Jesus, being with Jesus wasn't enough after they had experienced Pentecost. Being with Jesus leads you to Pentecost. And then being filled with the Spirit just leads you back to Jesus and the Father and so you go on round and round. You need all of them. So Father, we bless you that uh, your promises are not just for those men and women of the first century. We are a people in great need. What does this mean? It means the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are here and they say, we do not leave you as orphans. All we have is yours. Paul said, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite your presence here right now. Ask you to speak to us individually. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The voice of evil always accuses you and brings shame. So if you get any kind of accusation word right now, or anything that releases shame, just bind in the name of Jesus. I'm not listening to you, Jesus. I want to listen to you. The voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit always starts with, you are my much-loved son and daughter. Do not be afraid. Peace I bring to you. But the, the knock of the Holy Spirit on your door today might well come through, we need to talk about this. Or why don't you let go of this? Or why don't you just repent of this? There's no accusation here. I want, to, I want to create some space so that I can actually give you the answer to your cry. So Father, I pray for revelation right now that is not coming from a place of guilt or anger, just a place of this is what I need you to give me so that I can give to you what will bring you life. Speak against fear of allowing you to go deeper than maybe we've ever allowed you to go before. We ask you to forgive us where we have loved our excuses, our justifications. We've loved our sin and we've even refused to call it sin because we feel like we have a right to own it and we just break open the lies of that. We say, Jesus, we just break the lies. We break the lies where we want to hold on to part of our life and then have you for another part and then we wonder why things aren't changing. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to just show us, highlight in us the thing that you want us to bring to you right now. Where we can be a little more empty. Thank you, Jesus. And then just ask him to fill you right now. Fill him. 
fill me up Lord ask Holy Spirit that you just anoint each person standing here with your presence anoint each person fill them up fill them up fill them up receive receive God, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, you don't have because you don't ask. So be really clear what you're asking for. Just be really clear. And then, Father, will you teach us how to receive? Thank you, Father. Let your spirit be poured out like Pentecost today because your promises, as we ask you, will give. And as I'm preparing communion, just thank God. Don't worry about your feelings. Don't worry about experiences. It's just, that's cool if it happens, but if it doesn't happen, don't worry about it. It's not truth. Just thank Him that He said yes to the things that will align with His heart in you. And Father, I pray that you raise in each of us a sense of hope and expectation that uh, you're going to do extraordinary things, more than we could ask or imagine that our flesh, our relationships will bear witness to you and to your goodness. That people will look at us and be amazed and say, how can this be? I know you. You're not the same. And you go, I'm so glad. It's true. It's Jesus and his spirit. And I just said to him, here it is, Lord. I don't know what to do anymore. And he actually took me seriously. And then I was driving along the other day and suddenly... I noticed something has changed in me. I didn't have the same reaction. Or there's hope in me and I don't understand why. So Father, I pray a powerful release of your Holy Spirit with signs and wonders in these next days and weeks. I pray for an anointing of healing on anyone who needs healing. Bring him your disease. Bring him your aches and pains. Just say, Lord, here I am. Lord, release the power of your blood, the power of your healing, the resurrection of Jesus and healing in bodies and minds and spirits. Supernatural anointing in the name of Jesus. Because you have promised that as we ask, you will release. Come Holy Spirit. Some things in our lives aren't going to change overnight and that's because God is also he multitasks. So sometimes he's doing other things. So we, ha we keep on believing because he's building other things so that when we get to the place we wanted to get to in a week and it's going to take two years, we're going to be ready to be able to carry it. So Father, we just give you our agendas and our, our, all the conditions we place and everything. We just say, Lord, we trust you day by day, week by week, step by step. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank him that he loves you. He adores you. He's got you in the palm of his hand. He says, don't be afraid. 